In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode of Conspiracy Unlimited, my conversation with controversial figure climatologist Dr. Timothy Ball, who tackles the global warming hoax. When the facts didn't fit their theory, uh, because CO2 kept going up and the temperature started to level off around 1998, they didn't go back and look at the science. They changed, they changed the title. Global warming became climate change. This podcast is brought to you by Logo Creator 7 Software. These days, it's more important than ever to have a good image, especially if you have a small business or you sell stuff online or post on social media. But quality graphics can cost money, and advanced software like Photoshop takes time to learn. That's why I want to tell you about some amazing piece of software called Creator 7. Creator 7 is so easy to use, yet it lets you create super-looking logos, business cards, character masks, you name it in just minutes. Whatever you create is going to look super cool and impressive. Creator 7 comes with hundreds of ready-made templates. Just click and drag to make changes and instantly you have really impressive graphics right on your computer. 
In fact, some clever folks have even ordered the Creator 7 software to start their own logo-making business, creating and selling logos and graphics for a profit. That's how good it is, but you won't believe the price. Creator 7 creates beautiful logos and designs right on your computer and works on either PC or Mac. And right now, it's available at an amazing price. To see it in action, just visit RadioShowLogo.com. That's RadioShowLogo.com. RadioShowLogo.com. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to Episode 7 of Conspiracy Unlimited. Hope you're enjoying what you're hearing. If so, please take a moment, subscribe if you haven't already done so, and please share and review. That'll be a huge help to get Conspiracy Unlimited out there. Hey, it turns out, not surprisingly, that the video of that poor, emaciated polar bear that was uh, sort of scrounging uh, in these garbage bins at this abandoned Inuit base on Canada's Baffin Island... Uh, that it's a bit of a hoax. The video went viral. It was cited as absolute proof that climate change is killing off polar bears. And this poor bear, I mean, I love polar bears. It was, it was heartbreaking uh, to see this animal dying. Uh, but it turns out that uh, polar bears actually do grow old in the wild. They get sick occasionally. They get injured and they do die. This one just so happened, uh, died on camera. But had they bothered to interview uh, the locals, some of the Inuits in the area, they would have told them that there are possibly too many polar bears in the area and that they are quite fat and healthy. Thank you very much. You know, it's actually kind of warm in here in my little studio beneath the stairs. That's not actually flop sweat on my brow. I'm actually perspiring, but I kind of like it that way. I turn up the heat and uh, I also, truth be told, I pump CO2 right into the studio here. Uh, it keeps the plants very healthy and uh, also keeps the polar bears away, which is kind of a bonus. Uh, but in all seriousness, you know, I, th I think that there is a special place in hell uh, reserved uh, for those people who use the term climate change denier. And I'm talking about those people who use that term, specifically the denier part, knowingly. Uh, they know exactly what they're doing because the term denier uh, should be reserved for those odious, disturbed, hateful, vile individuals who deny the Holocaust, Holocaust deniers. And they try and apply that same label to anyone who refuses to shut up and get in line and get the correct opinion on climate change. And it is a painful insult to Holocaust survivors and the surviving family members of Holocaust victims. Uh, but it is unfortunately all too typical a tactic of the left, or what I call the fundamentalist progressives. They will say anything, do anything, stop at nothing to push their narrative. And I have been labeled a denier simply for challenging the science. And I've been doing it on radio on this particular topic for nearly two decades, uh, back when people behind this whole charade were calling it global warming. 
So I won't stop talking about it. And if after listening to this podcast, you want to leave a nasty comment in the comment section about how I'm a climate change denier, then fill your boots. I will wear it as a badge of honor. Here's the other thing. I always hear from people, usually on the left, who will complain after hearing one of my programs where I interview people who argue against anthropogenic climate change or man-made climate change, uh, that the show was biased and unbalanced and they should have had someone on from the other side to debate. Well, two things. I have tried for years to get proponents of anthropogenic climate change to debate. They won't do it. They say it's pointless because the science is already in and it's case closed. And secondly, I'm not concerned about the show being balanced. The media is dominated by the global warming alarmists. So when I have someone to argue the other side on my little platform, this is my small way of providing the other side with equal time. Well, that's my rant. So uh, let's get started. Uh, Dr. Timothy Ball is a, really a pariah in many polite Canadian circles, and he won't be getting a Christmas card from David Suzuki or Elizabeth May, that's for sure. Michael Mann, the creator of the bogus and discredited IPCC hockey stick graph, has called Timothy Ball perhaps the most prominent climate change denier in Canada. And for that reason, I'm delighted to have him on the program. Dr. Tim Ball is a renowned environmental consultant and former professor of climatology at the University of Winnipeg. He served on many local and national committees and as chair of provincial boards on water management, environmental issues, and sustainable development. Dr. Ball's extensive science background in climatology especially the reconstruction of past climates and the impact of climate change on human history and the human condition, make him the ideal head of NRSP, National Resources Stewardship Project. And uh, he is also the author of uh, a number of books. His uh, two latest are The Deliberate Corruption of Climate Science and Human-Caused Global Warming. Tim Ball, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I'm wonderful, thank you, and thanks for the opportunity. But I have to tell you, my environmental consulting company isn't going very well because I insist on telling people uh, what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. And I think that that's a, a great problem in today's world. People hire consultants that tell them what they want to hear. The truth is uh, is a revolutionary act yes, exactly. uh, in an age of deception. That's for sure. You you and I were corresponding by email earlier in the week, yep. and um, you uh, you quoted Voltaire. You said it is a da- it is dangerous to be right in matters where established men are wrong. And you're sort of learning. Well, you've been learning that a long time, but you've been yep. experiencing that. Uh, a couple of things going on. One, I, I, are you free to talk about your recent health scare? Yes, I'm free to talk about that and also the lawsuits. And, of course, I, yes. I don't know which is the biggest health scare, but I'm free to talk about them. You uh, you were not well for a while. I had a, We had scheduled to do an interview several months ago. And yeah. What happened, Richard, and I think this is a, a very important uh, part of, of everything you and I have talked about over the years, but I was invited to Australia to appear before the Australian Senate with uh, Senator Malcolm Roberts, And Malcolm uh, is like a lot of people who start to look at the climate issue and simply can't believe what they're seeing. And and so they have to reach out to somebody and say, am I nuts or am I is this what I'm actually seeing? 
And out of that, by the way, has grown uh, two groups, one that I developed with Malcolm called the Galileo Movement in Australia. The other one is Friends of Science, which is out of Calgary. And and uh, so um, we, we went over there, and, and one of the reasons that Malcolm ran for a senator was that um, of ordinary citizens cannot confront the bureaucrats. And, of course, that's a huge problem. It allows the bureaucrats then to basically manipulate the politicians, which, of course, is what Maurice Strong did when he set up this whole climate thing. And and so when uh, Malcolm ran and uh, the very in his in his maiden speech, he challenged the Australian Bureau of Meteorology and, and the group CSIRO that handled climate change for the Australian government. And the basic challenge was, look, don't tell me what your computer models are telling me. Show, you, show me your actual empirical evidence that humans are causing climate change and or global warming. And, of course, they couldn't do it. Now, if you, because you are so much into conspiracy and so aware of it, what happened, it wasn't really a conspiracy in, in the direct sense, but what they did was they dug around and found out that in order to be a senator in Australia, you could not hold dual citizenship. And uh, Malcolm uh, had dual citizenship. He knew he couldn't hold dual citizenship. He wrote to the British government to cancel his British citizenship. They didn't cancel it. So it went to the court, and the court uh, threw him out of the Senate. He lost his Senate seat. So ah. this, this is a very effective way of, of shutting him down uh, because he was starting to ask questions that the bureaucracy couldn't answer. And right. uh, Okay, so now, okay, out of that, uh, on the trip to Australia, uh, because of my age and everything else, I was very aware of, of uh, deep vein thrombosis and all these other things. And um, I got up and walked around a lot, but a uh, 15-hour flight uh, really did me in, particularly the flight coming back. And um, I ended up with, um, uh, actually, I had, had a persistent cough. And uh, my wife called the uh, 911 one night. They came and said, oh, he's just got the flu and, and left, made me sign a form and left. And I'm lying on the floor coughing away. Later on, we got two more senior uh, ambulance people who came in and said, no, he needs to go to the hospital right away. I went there, and um, it, it, it turned out that I had two liters of fluid on my lungs. And I saw 11 doctors, and not one of them caught it. Two liters, two liters of water, and no one could catch something so, like and that. And yet my wife, who's a nurse, she said, I know what's wrong with you. you got congestive heart failure. And, and um, uh, finally what happened was we went to uh, emergency here in Victoria, and she just said, I'm not, we're not moving until we get a doctor that determines what's wrong with him. Well, I, I ended up, uh, uh, a doctor finally uh, came and said, okay, on the ward right now. And um, the next day, uh, they drained the two liters of fluid off my lungs, and I was within two days of drowning. Oh, my Lord. It, it, well, exactly. thank God. Yeah. Thank God for your wife, well, number one, exactly, because we but, need you, Tim. Yeah, but here, we Richard, need there's an important, important part about this, because, as you know, everybody now is a specialist. Everybody's got one piece of a very complex puzzle, and nobody knows what's, you know, we've, we've lost the box top, basically. And that, of course, allows for uh, all of the corruption and all of the misuse of government 
and and trying to pin down who's actually accountable. As you know, in all your work, it's virtually impossible. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, that's, yeah, everyone is compartmentalized in their own little silo. Yep. Uh, and uh, there's no one sort of overseeing yep. this whole thing. Exactly. Uh, the, 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 yep. the other big battle. Yep. The other big battle, Tim, is yep. um, a couple of court cases. You just finished one with the uh, the British Columbia leader of the Green Party. Is it Andrew Weaver, I believe? Yeah, that's that's correct. And he what was, was that one about? Okay, well, first of all, I had three lawsuits uh, brought against me, all by the same lawyer in Vancouver here, a uh, fellow by the name of Roger, Roger McConkie, uh, and uh, all of them by members of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change which, of course, as you know, in all the discussions we've had and a lot of the research yes. you've done, are the agency that Maury Strong set up to uh, demonize CO2 and to identify CO2 and, and basically shut industrialized nations down by demonizing CO2. And so here I got lawsuits from all three members of the IPCC. The first lawsuit I got was from Gordon McBean. Now, McBean was an assistant deputy minister at Environment Canada, and he chaired the founding meeting of the IPCC in Villach, Austria, 1985. And um, he was part of, uh, of Environment Canada when... Um, when they were funding all of the uh, climate research that was pushing the whole UN uh, climate agenda. Um, And it ended up in in them having to, there were so many complaints about them not doing their job and the waste of money that uh, they ended up with an internal uh, investigation, which Ken Green from the Fraser Institute finally, through Freedom of Information Act, got a copy of the report and um, it actually, it says, yeah, they're, they're not doing their job. They're using Environment Canada uh, to uh, propagandize the global warming issue. So McBean was the first lawsuit that was brought against me. Um, I, uh, my wife and I sat down and, and said, uh, look, uh, we can't afford to fight this. I'm just going to be $400 just, just for one hour with the lawyer. 
And, and this is another issue that I think that needs to be brought out and we need to talk about a little bit. But um, the use of the law to silence people, of course, is increasingly disturbing. Um, there, are, there are lawsuits called slap lawsuits. That is, strategic lawsuits against public participation. And um, the legal community and some of the political community are becoming so concerned about these that in eight of the ten provinces, slap lawsuits are, are, well, there is anti-slap legislation. And um, in, I've forgotten how many of the U.S. states, but it's about 30 of the U.S. states also have anti-slap legislation in order to try and stop this use of the law to silence people when the use, when the law is designed to protect people. Um, But this is all part of the politicization uh, of, um, uh, and control of of people. This is, this is what it's all about. What was the result of that trial? Well, okay. Well, the, the, I withdrew the uh, article that I wrote about McBean, and that, that just uh, that that ended the whole thing. But right. within a few months, I then got an, another lawsuit from the same lawyer on behalf of Andrew Weaver, and it was about an article that I wrote. Um, and basically, the article was saying that because the United Nations had. Uh, created this uh, intergovernmental panel on climate change, it had effectively uh, stopped good climate research. And um, let's go back to the McBean thing for a minute. You know, in Canada, you have agencies set up by the government designed to be arm's length from any political interference in in, uh, research funding. So you have the one for the science people, one for the, the social science and humanities, another one for medical research, and so on. And uh, But with climate research, every single dollar of government money going to climate research went directly through Environment Canada. Mm. I mean, it was absolutely mm. outrageous. And, and what McBean did in the month or so before he retired from... Um, Environment Canada, he uh, set up a $61 million institute to to uh, take government money and, and fund climate research. And guess who became the director of it or president of it uh, the month that he retired from Environment Canada? Gordon McBean. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, and of course they were directing all of the funding to only people that were producing the research that supported their side of the issue. Right, and that's why we get these ridiculous numbers like, you know, 97% yep. of people, yep. uh, scientists support climate change. Yeah, the ones that uh, have are <laughs> sucking on the public teat. Exactly, exactly. Um, anyway, um, I, I wrote the article about how the IPCC at, at effectively blocked good research. I mean, they're just starting now to talk about things that we were, we were researching 30 years ago. And um, one of the things that um, uh, was going on 30 years ago was that I, w- I was uh, a member of a Canadian Committee on Climate Fluctuation, which was run by the National Museum of in, in Ottawa, and it was, was uh, a program run by Dick Harrington, who sadly has now passed away. And, and we were trying to uh, determine, uh, you know, climate change in Canada for the last 20,000 years. And we had people, all the different specialists all coming together once a year. We'd focus on a particular area each year. We published uh, books of articles. And, and then um, I got elected to the pres- be president one year. 
And in my acceptance speech, I said, you know, that uh, the government are pushing the global warming, but um, we need to look at uh, both sides of the issue. And the next thing I knew was Environment Canada had pulled their partnership share with with the National Museum, and Dick Harrington phoned me and said, we can't continue to operate on our own. So the whole thing collapsed. And who pulled the funding on it? Environment Canada. Mm. Right, right. And, and yet, this is these yeah. are like Soviet Soviet era yeah. uh, tactics. Uh, they use the gulag to stifle dissent. Yeah. Uh, we use public funding. Exactly, and 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 we use bureaucracy because they're not accountable. You know, I mean that's that's what when when Elaine Dewar, who wrote the book Cloak of Green, and uh, she was she was a, a reporter for the Hamilton Spectator, one of the used to be one of the most respected investigative newspapers in Canada, and uh, uh, she wanted to write a book uh, uh, praising uh, environmentalists in Canada, like Elizabeth May and and, uh, and Suzuki and Maurice Strong. But the more research she did, the more she found that these people were more corrupt and more single-minded than the people they were attacking. So uh, the book that came out, um, I mean, it, it's absolutely incredible uh, what, what, what she lays out in that book. And she has uh, 20% of the book is on Maurice Strong. And uh, no, he's saying, oh, well, the problem for the planet and the industrialized nations and the CO2 they're producing is, is, is uh, causing global warming. And she said, well, you know, what are you going to do about it? And he said, well, I'm going to go to the U.N., where I can get all the money I want and not be accountable to anybody. And that's exactly <laughs> what he did. And by the way, right. but to put that in, a, in the modern context, Richard, the year that he started that program, 1992, with the Rio conference, and I, I think you know, you know about yes, that. the Earth Summit. Yeah. yeah, the Earth Summit. Okay. That year, he was also appointed to be chairman of Ontario Hydro. And, uh, and in Ontario Hydro, he implemented all of the policies that the uh, Green Agenda has been pushing uh, since that time. And, and look we at are the paying situation. for it now. Oh, yeah, are they we are ever paying paid? for it now. And they'll pay for it for another 40 years. Yeah, it's a disaster, the hydro uh, yeah, situation here. Maurice Strong, who set up the Agenda 21, ran the Rio conference, all of that, that was all of his uh, creation through Environment Canada. Now, back to the uh, the Andrew Weaver yep. case. Okay. Uh, what's the result of that? Well, okay, well, what happened was that um, uh, Weaver, as I said, he brought the lawsuit against me. Um, and uh, uh, I, I should explain, there's a very important part in here. I saw, a law, as soon as I got the lawsuit, uh, my wife and I said, no, we're not going to be bullied anymore. Uh, we're going to fight and uh, we we ended up spending all our, our, our savings, and I'm not complaining about that. We knew exactly what we were doing, um, but it, it it's it's of course one of the one of the ways that people can be bullied by lawsuits. But anyway, um, we decided to fight back. I went to see a lawyer here in Victoria by the name of Michael Shear, who specializes in in defamation uh, lawsuits, and um, he said, look. Um, there are some of the things you said in the article about Weaver that um, they're not necessarily defamation, but you didn't um, have evidence to support them up. They're speculation. So we drafted a, a letter of apology to Weaver saying, okay, you know, I, I said this and um, uh, I, di- I didn't substantiate it, therefore I withdraw those remarks. Okay? And... Um, we sent the letter to uh, Weaver through to, to his lawyer and to Weaver, and um, but 
he didn't drop the lawsuit. He pursued it. And uh, it, it's interesting that we ended up in court, uh, what, about uh, two months ago now, the case started. He didn't call a single witness. Not one. Hmm. Now, I can't comment on the actual what went on in the lawsuit because we're still waiting for judgment from from the judge. Ah, Now, prior to the trial, my lawyer said, don't talk about the lawsuit. Well, I said, no, I will talk about the lawsuit, and I'll tell you why. (laughs) I'll tell you why. Because if I don't talk, they've achieved their goal of shutting me up. Right. Excellent point. Okay. Excellent point. But now a judge tells me, don't speak until I bring my judgment down. Fine. I'll pay attention to that. It's a temporary uh, hold right. on, you know, and, 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 uh, and that's, that's fair enough. There's, there's logic behind that. But um, the minute that the, uh, he brings down his judgment, I'm going to be out there with a huge PR campaign. But anyway, um, one of the things that was um, uh, it already in the media before the trial that I can talk about is that Weaver, who was a, he was actually one of the computer modelers for the IPCC. And in fact, he served on four of the IPCC reports. And, um, and of course, the computer models are what they used to prove, in quotation marks, that human CO2 was causing warming. That's why when we appeared before the U.S. or the Australian Senate, we said, look, don't tell us what the computer models are saying. Show us the, the empirical evidence. Well, they couldn't right. do it. Okay? So the models are right at the heart of, of this whole issue. And, and I can give you one example that uh, I say it, it was a part of the uh, court case, but it was, all, it was all also on record before the case. In every record we've got, the temperature increases before the CO2 increases, which is the complete opposite of the assumption that they make about their claims that that human CO2 is causing global warming. Right. This is what they call a lagging indicator. Exactly. The lagging. Exactly. Now, the only place in the world where an increase in temp or in CO2 causes an increase in temperature is in their computer models. (laughs) Right. And and so anyway. Um, uh, Weaver, uh, being one of the computer models, and of course he, he decided that he was going to get into politics, and um, he ran for uh, the Green Party in the B.C. legislature, and while he was running for uh, to be the uh, member, um, legislative member, he was interviewed uh, in the local Times columnist and on the CBC, and he showed very proudly in his office at the university, he has a wall of hate. Hmm. Now, I, I, the, I, the tolerant left has a wall of hate. A wall of hate, exactly. And, and you say, well, what's the wall of hate about? Well, it turns out, and he explains this in the interview and so on, that these are people that are attacking him, and this is the hate that he has to tolerate in order to save the planet. Ah, <laughs> right. Oh, he's, what yeah. a martyr. Well, well, it's it's the liberal victimization thing, isn't it? Indeed. It's, it's a classic example of it. But anyway, so that as I said, that was in the media uh, uh, and, and in the news before the trial began. Uh, I went to trial. I was four days on the witness stand and uh, had uh, uh, witnesses, and I wanted to get on the record, uh, you know, the... Um, 
the skeptic side of the story. But, of course, the courts don't want to be involved in scientific arguments. And that's perfectly reasonable, because they, the courts argue that uh, all scientific arguments are your paper against his paper. And we're not qualified to decide which is the right one and which isn't, uh, which is which creates interesting problems. Well, it uh, does because yeah. the the court case is is about opinion. Yeah, <laughs> is exactly, it exactly. And and uh, uh, I can I can say uh, that that the judge's opening comment, and I'm sure he wouldn't lock me up for saying this, was this courtroom will not be used to settle a global warming debate. <laughs> All right. Well, we knew that ahead of time, but um, but but as you said, it, it, it's at the very heart of the of the whole issue of what what's going on, um, and and my my basic. Well, I, I won't make any more comments about it than that. But uh, we can talk later on once the judgment comes down. But anyway, that court case ended. As I said, uh, Weaver didn't bring any witnesses. Basically, what I was arguing was, and again, I'm on the record before the case about this, I was arguing that um, you cannot have uh, politics in science, you cannot have bureaucrats doing science, because uh, it's immediately compromised. Well, I'll tell you something. You should never compromise when it comes to website hosting. And if you're looking for world-class website hosting at a fair price, there's a company I've been talking to you about, Pair Networks. Pair Networks hosts hundreds of thousands of websites. And why do I recommend them? It's simple, because they set the standard for excellence with a technical support staff that's second to none. Their support team responds so incredibly fast, it's, it's quite remarkable. And they always give straight answers, and that's important too. Plus, they have top-of-the-line technology. And that's why Pair Networks offers total reliability for your website with a money-back guarantee. So whether you're a professional web designer, a busy web marketer, or you're just getting a site online, Pair Networks is a web hosting plan that's right for you. Log on and learn more at Pair.com. Let me spell it out for you. P-A-I-R.com. P-A-I-R.com. Pair Networks. As you're staring up at the night sky, ever wonder who's staring back? No, me either. But I guess you better say it because Richard, you know, he's all wrapped up in this stuff. <laughs> Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Dr. Timothy Ball is with us. We're talking about the deception of climate science. You were you mentioned earlier you were over in in uh, Australia. Yep. Uh but you were also in um in Romania. Um yep. and you took part in a a, a science TV producer Christian Mirazanu. Yep. Uh began looking at this whole global warming issue. Tell me about that that uh, Romanian TV series. Yeah, I didn't actually go there. I had been there many many years ago, but um I didn't actually go there. It was done through Skype. And ah, okay. what happened was that he runs a science program on uh, Romanian TV, 
and um, he, he uh, decided to start looking at um, the global warming issue. Now, a, 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 a lot of the very best investigative journalists like yourself and, and um, uh, uh, Martin Durkin, who I did the great global warming swindle documentary with, uh, what, what they do is they look at an issue and say, okay, that's uh, the story, but is there another side to this story? And, and, of course, when you start digging into, as you know, virtually nothing bears much investigation to find out that there's a whole different story behind the story. And, and, and so Christian started to uh, do a program on the global warming issue, uh, stumbled across my stuff on the Internet, and called me and asked me if I would do a series with him. And I said, yeah, I'm quite happy to do that. We ended up doing seven one-hour programs uh, looking at the whole uh, pattern of, of climate, climatology, the history of climate, the whole, the whole issue. And um, he put that up on the uh, Romanian TV uh, channel. But I understand it's also been quite widely distributed um, amongst a lot of the former Eastern European countries. And Christian's comment to me was, you know, he said, I didn't realize the extent to which um, we were still only getting what the government chose to give us. He said, we all thought that because we had access to the Internet and all these other things, that, um, that what we were getting from our government would be much, much wider. But he said it wasn't. It was just as much propaganda in, in the days before the collapse of, of communism. <laughs> hey, it, nothing, nothing different uh, happening over here either. Again, it's, no. it's a throwback to the, to the Soviet era. Well, they, what they did was, of course, as, as he said, um, they, they called themselves communists, and then suddenly overnight they suddenly became Democrats. But it was the same people, <laughs> right? And, and, uh, exactly. And so, it, and, and of course, this is what they did with the uh, global warming issue. When the facts didn't fit their theory, uh, because CO2 kept going up and the temperature started to level off around 1998, they didn't go back and look at the science. They changed, they changed the title. Global warming became climate change. And, is, and, that, uh, is that really what's at the root of this whole hoax, is that the people behind it are essentially, they're cultural Marxists, they hate Western civilization, they're part of this progressive uh, alliance, which has very strange bedfellows. You have radical feminists in bed with uh, radical jihadis. <laughs> Go yeah. figure. I mean, yeah. make sense out of that. You've got uh, Black Lives Matter. You've got uh, the various radical environmental groups. Uh, and my sense is they just hate Western civilization. And whatever convenient bludgeon they can pick up to beat it down, yep. that's what they'll do. Yeah. Well, of course, the, the most bizarre one in my book is the, is the uh, Pope Francis. When he came out with his uh, encyclical Laudate Si', and he said, you know, the, our, our, what is it, our earth is uh, full of filth? Uh, I mean, it's an un unbelievable. Well, his, the two people that were his major advisors in writing that encyclical, one was a fellow by the name of Hans Schellenhuber, now, Schellenhuber is the uh, director of the Potsdam Climate Institute in East Germany, and of course has still got all of the hangover of that. Mm -hmm. And Schellenhuber is, uh, is a pantheist. 
Now, a pantheism is the idea that, um, well, first of all, there's no God, but that um, there are far too many people on the planet. There should there should be less than a billion people, and that uh, the government should be controlling who can have children and who can't, and the whole eugenics thing comes out with that. Well, he was the senior advisor to Pope Francis, and think about those views that he's holding compared to the Catholic Church views. And, and I mean, there's actually a cartoon of the of the back of Pope Francis, and and looking over his shoulder at you is uh, Marx, Karl Marx, mm-hmm. and and it, it's called, uh, and the title of the caption says, "I repent." <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is it, it is incredible. And then when Pope Francis went to, uh, I'm going to get my country straight here. I believe it was Bolivia, but one of the South American countries. He went on a tour there. And the president of that country, who is a declared Marxist, gave yes. the Pope a uh, bronze statue, and the bronze statue was the hammer, hammer and sickle with Jesus crucified on it, attached to it. Oh, dear. Oh, I mean, dear. if you want to see bizarre uh, ideologies, and, and uh, I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. But, of course, you see the, the, the Pope himself. He's the first Jesuit ever to be Pope. And there was a reason that the Catholics didn't make Jesuits Popes, right? Because they were the thought police for the whole Catholic Church. And one of the things that Francis did, of course, was he took the name of Francis because he wanted to align himself with Francis of Assisi, who uh, gave away all of his wealth. And, you know, he was one of the most wealthy men in the world, gave it all away. And and so that whole mentality and ideology is tied into all of this and of course that's why the the current pope got hooked up with um these these uh, marxists uh, in the climate world i mean it's just it's absolutely bizarre you couldn't write uh, novels like this you, you simply <laughs> couldn't make it up you, well you couldn't and if you did it'd have to be a comic book um and speaking well, but, of yeah but there's um, nothing funny about it that's True, but but uh, I bring that up because your your new book, Human Caused Global Warming: The Biggest Deception in History, uh, it's it's an abbreviated, illustrated version, and that's the way we have to communicate with millennials these days. It's like a comic book almost because they just well, as you point out, uh, you know, eighty percent of the population are arts oriented; they have no understanding of basic science. And I'll tell you how difficult that was. Um, when I got the lawsuits, my biggest challenge was to find a lawyer that could handle the science. You know, one of the most interesting observations, it, the uh, the former, one of the founders of Greenpeace, who has now come to his senses, Patrick Moore, yeah. wonderful, wonderful speaker. Yeah. Uh, and he pointed out something, that if you look at the concentration of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, and it's around 400 parts per million, I believe. Yep, that's what they claim. Which, and he calls that a starvation level yep, uh, of absolutely. carbon dioxide. Yep. Because what do farmers who have greenhouses do, and they have their, they're growing their hothouse tomatoes, right. they pump CO2 into the greenhouse at a rate of about 1,200 yep. parts per million, because yep. it turns out that's sort of the... That's sort of the optimal level of CO2 for plant growth. Okay, a couple of things about this. I've known Patrick for 35 years or more, 
And um, when I first started talking to him, um, he, I said, well, what happened? I said, the, the, the Greenpeace idea was a good idea. And in the early days, a lot of us, you know, were saying well, some of the things they did, we were cheering and other things we were just saying, oh, oh give it a, give your head a shake. But Patrick told me that within four or five years, the Marxists moved in and took over. And he yeah, said, they are I, again. yeah, he said, I fought them for three or four years, but he said, I finally gave up and left. I was teasing him a little while ago because I said, you know, your claim about Marxists taking over is now proven. And he said, how's that? And I said, go and read the Greenpeace history. You're not mentioned anymore. That's what <laughs> they do. They rewrite history. But, That's but right. Yeah. But here's the here's the thing that Patrick doesn't mention. Um, uh, Dutch uh Greenhouse people have been pumping CO2 in for a hundred years or more, so it's not that's nothing new. Uh, but uh, the op the when he said that he's used the terms that they're starving, I I say they're malnourished. If you look at the geologic record of, of levels of CO2 in the atmosphere, and there's one very good one that recreates from the geologic record and other sources the level of atmospheric CO2 over 600 million year period. And um, and the, the the bizarre sorts of things that you see is that 438 million years ago there was an ice age, the Ordovician ice age, and CO2 levels were at 5,000 parts per million. Mm. All right. So, <laughs> so so the correlation between CO2 and temperature, and we've already discussed that earlier in the program, is 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 not just not there. But here's the interesting part of it from the plant point of view: for the last 300 million years which is when all of the plants on the planet uh, evolved and developed, the average level in that 300 million years is 1,200 parts per million. There you go. There you go. So in other words, the plants have evolved to that level, and, and now, of course, it's lower, and that's why Patrick's able to say that they're, they are malnourished. And, and uh, so there's, there's a whole lot to, to this story and, and and I'm glad Patrick's on board with this now and and, and fighting the good fight. But um, uh, yeah, as I said, uh, and you see, this gets back to my lawsuit with Weaver. This is what the article I was pointing out. We knew all of these things 30 years ago, but a lot of people like Patrick are just now coming to the realization. Um, but it's it's nothing new. It's absolutely. Do you get the sense? Yeah. Do you get the sense that the the tide is starting to turn and and that people are waking up to the fact that this is a big hoax? Yeah, yes, uh, but we're still at the point. There's two two uh, problems with it. One is the public, um, and and the comment I get most often after a presentation, Richard, is I had my suspicions, but I didn't know enough to know. So what they will do is, rather than get shot down by somebody or appear ignorant, they'll just keep their mouth shut. And that is reflected in all of the polls. For example, the UN did a poll a couple of years ago of 8 million people worldwide, and they asked them to list their concerns. Climate change was 16th out of 16. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the Pew Center polls, and the Pew Center is, uh, you know, sort of left of center in its ideology, they they list about 34 uh, concerns of the American public. Climate change and and uh, is 32nd out of 34, and has been for several years now. So the public sense there's something wrong with it. It's just that 
they don't speak about it uh, because they they don't want to appear stupid or get shot down. And um, but the the other problem we have is the politicians are even more afraid to challenge uh, what's going on. So that's why um, uh, Elaine Dewar's book was called The Cloak of Green. That, that, that they put on uh, on the cloak of green and say, oh yeah, I, I'm environmental, but behind the scenes they're doing virtually nothing. Or, like the people like Strong and Elizabeth May and so on, they're, they're green on the outside, but they're red on the inside. And of course, James Dellingpole uh, of The Spectator, he was the first to call them watermelons. Right. Green on the outside, and and uh, yeah, yeah, pink goes on the inside. Yeah, exactly, and 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 so uh, we're still at that point where politicians are. Uh, well, they've got actually another motive, but they're they're still afraid of being accused of not being green enough, about not caring about the planet or the future, and and so they they are they're still playing the game. The other thing, of course, is that. Uh, uh, the only thing that all politicians do with enormous efficiency is find ways to tax you. And carbon tax is, is a beautiful tax that can generate you a whole pile of money, make you appear like you're doing the right green thing, and, um, you know, saving the planet. And, of course, we see that here in Canada. I read that in order for Canada, for example, to comply with the uh, the Paris uh, Treaty, yeah. we would essentially have to shut down our energy sector and our agricultural sector. Just shut them down completely. Yep. Is that is that sound accurate? Yes. But here's the thing: uh, the the Paris Agreement, uh, and it wasn't a treaty, by the way. It was an agreement, and the reason it was an agreement was because. Obama insisted that it be called an agreement because if it was a treaty, he had to get Senate approval for it. And, right, he, right. And, he, and he couldn't do that, and he knew he couldn't do it because even Bill Clinton, when Clinton tried to get approval for the Kyoto Protocol, which preceded the Paris Agreement, and, and actually it's called the Green Climate Fund, when the Kyoto Protocol went before the U.S. Senate for approval, the senators didn't want to be seen voting against it. The Kyoto Protocol was scheduled to be uh, implemented at the UN level with uh, a, a global carbon tax connect, collected by the International Monetary Fund at the COP15. This was in Copenhagen, the Conference of the Parties in Copenhagen. And, uh, just now, that wasn't public knowledge, Tim. I mean, that's alarming. I uh, don't think that was public knowledge. Oh, no. It, 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 that's, that's the thing. But here's, you see, what they do is, is they produce this summary for policymakers, which is from the IPCC, which is completely different than, than the science report. In their science report, they, they tell you all the things that are wrong and why they can't do forecasts, and, and, uh, but they know that nobody ever reads them, and if they did, they wouldn't understand them. But they then put out a summary for policymakers that, that says, oh, yeah, things are terrible. We're certain that global warming is going to occur. The science reports don't support that at all. And this is the sleight of hand, because they, you know, if you come along and say, hey, you didn't tell us that, the, the, oh, yeah, we did. We put it in our science report. Well, we didn't read that. We didn't understand it. Oh, that's your problem. That's not our problem. Mm -hmm. you know, this, is the, this is the duplicity that, that goes on with these people. And anyway, what happened was the IPCC was dominated by people from um, uh, the uh, 
climatic research unit at East Anglia. Okay, and oh, <laughs> yeah, boy, they have such credibility. Don't oh, they? of course. But you see, what happened was the the uh, Copenhagen COP was scheduled to meet in November or sorry in December in in Copenhagen to approve the Kyoto Protocol. Somebody in in November leaked a thousand of the emails that that said, "Hey, these guys are are cooking the books." They're, oh, I see. That's when that came out. Okay, yeah, so it was. And, this and, was and of course, that's why I've argued that it was an inside job. Now they they tried they tried to say, oh no, it it, it was uh, an outside job, um, and, and it was the Russians. It was, this was one of the first of oh, it's the Russians hacking stories. Uh, <laughs> began began with with that, but um, and I'll just read you. This is what David Wojcik. Um, wrote about the IPCC uh, summary for policymakers. He says, glaring emissions are only glaring to experts. So the policymakers, including the press and the public, who read the SPM will not realize they are being told only one side of a story. But the scientists who drafted the SPM know the truth, as revealed by the sometimes artful way they conceal it. What is systematically omitted from the SPM are precisely the uncertainties and positive counter-evidence that might negate the human interference theory. Instead of assessing these objections, the summary confidently asserts just those findings that support its case. In short, this is advocacy, not assessment. And, and of course, that, that's what uh, goes on. Now, I'll, I'll give you um, uh, an example of, of a, a quote from one of the IPC science reports. And this is in, in the uh, third assessment report, so their science report. They say, in climate research and modeling, we should recognize that we are dealing with a coupled, nonlinear, chaotic system, and therefore that the long-term prediction of future climate states is not possible. Bingo. That's Bingo. right in their science report. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's, <laughs> that's 2001, and that's the year they came out with Michael Mann's hockey stick. Well, Michael Mann, there's another uh, a case that uh, you'll be uh, dealing with down the road. We won't have time to talk about that now. Hopefully no. we can get an update. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm very happy to give you an update on what's going on. Human-caused global warming, the biggest deception in history, the why, what, where, when, and how it was achieved. And again, Dr. Tim Ball, D-R-T-I-M-B-A-L-L.com, the website. Uh, great pleasure, and I'm glad you're, uh, you're feeling much better, and we'll, uh, we'll talk again real soon. Thank you, Richard. I want to finish with one comment, the Yiddish comment that says, the truth never dies. It just lives a miserable existence. <laughs> so true. Yeah. So true. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs and raid the fridge for a midnight snack, I want to fill you in on what's coming up next on Conspiracy Unlimited. But before that, have you heard about this free guide you can download? It contains a list of online power tools to make you more efficient, secure, and even boost your income. And best of all, this online toolbox guide is absolutely free. How do you get it? It's simple. Visit freebusinesstoolbox.com and grab your copy while they last. 
This guide has some of the very same online tools that successful business owners use every day, and each one is highly recommended. I know, a lot of websites out there will offer a special giveaway like this, but then they want to stick you into a recurring program or some other deal. But this isn't like that. There's no hidden thing to try, no credit card needed, and no cost whatsoever. Bright Biz is literally giving away this online toolbox guide completely free as a means of sort of putting their best foot forward. But this is a limited time offer. So grab your free guide today and take your business and your income to the next level. Visit freebusinesstoolbox.com and get your free guide to 36 online power tools. That address again, freebusinesstoolbox.com. Coming up on Episode 8 of Conspiracy Unlimited. Well, just over a week ago, Saturday, December the 9th, there was apparently a major UFO occurrence that took place across and above the United States. A cluster of approximately 100 lights in tight formation was seen flying from the East Coast to California at supersonic speed. Join me in conversation with Peter Davenport, the director of the National UFO Reporting Center. Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.